Hi, Vicki. Hi, Matt. How we doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing well. Welcome to Max Effort Kitchen. Uh, Chef Matt, Vicki Garfius. Did I say that right? Did I get yes, that right? you did. Yes. I've been practicing. <laughs> I've been saying it in the car by myself and got some weird looks for that. But hey, got it right on the second episode. That's fantastic. That is good. Yes. We're getting places. Oh, Vicki, how was your day today? It was good. Very interesting day for me, but it was nonetheless, it was a good day. And yours? Uh, about the same. Lots of uh, lots of fun. Um, you know, it, it's such a weird time of year in the restaurant industry. It is the slow time. And so uh, emotions are high on cost. Emotions are high on labor. It's all of that fun you know, buckling down. This is what we do this for stuff. And uh, I think in this uh, new atmosphere of of what this business is, uh, it's all new to everybody. And so it don't matter how long uh, you've been in this industry. It's uh, this is a new ground and we're learning new ways. It is. It's definitely a very interesting time right now. It's always the slow months and with yeah. all the changes going on. Yeah. Yeah, you had a pretty uh, interesting little thing happen to you. You had a huge piece of equipment, like mandatory. You have to have this piece of equipment uh, to actually function in your restaurant, go down um, before you even opened. So uh, how did you deal with that? <laughs> like, talk to the people, tell them, tell them, like, what's up? Like, how does a manager say, um, my mixer that I use to mix my dough in that I sell is broken? Like, what do you do? I'm not going to lie. It was, it was very comfortable. I was like, okay, I'm going to do dough. I got in early this morning. I was like, it's a great day. I'm off to a great day. I was like, so energized, so pumped. And then I get to the store and that happens to me. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Side note. But. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt. It's always no. the days that are the best. <laughs> that yeah. happens, right? Okay. I sorry, was like, hyped up for it. Lucky for me, yeah. our maintenance man was fixing a few other things in the store and he happened to be walking by right as it happened and I was like yes nice and luckily he was able to help me fix it and get a solution for me but believe me I was stressing I was like oh no what am I gonna do this is like I need this to make my day go you kind of need it to open like you know if you don't if you don't have it you just don't you're like the next couple days are just gonna be even harder Yeah. And it was like, I was thinking about that. I was like, we have the weekend coming up. Like this is horrible. Yeah, I was like, of course this would happen middle of the week. (laughs) Always, always that it's those days you wake up. It's like the sun is shiny. Like, man, I got a great night's sleep. I'm going to go in early, you know, get some stuff done. Never works out that way. And that's the, uh, just the, the fun and interesting part of this, uh, this industry, right? It is. It's one of those most of the time where it's like I come in I'm energized I'm pumped like it's like the second I walk through the door something's wrong and I'm like yep see this is why (laughs) you know know, it's also that thing that like we love to do we love to uh fix problems we love to kind of like in in one problem solve yeah problem solve be the hero right yeah Uh, (laughs) so (laughs) it's it's a uh it's always a fun thing but um so, hey, what, what are you drinking? Uh, what are you drinking? I today? am having a blueberry 
It's a blueberry wild berry tea from Tazo. Oh, yeah. I got it at the grocery store kind okay. of on a whim. Okay. Absolutely fell in love with it. Nice. Blueberry wild berry. Is that what you said? Yeah. That's wow. what it is. Okay. I like it. Tazo makes some good flavors. Um, that's, I, you know, <laughs> this is the point in the day when I crash hard. So I have myself a candy apple crisp bang energy drink. Um, if anybody knows anything about me, they know that I take these things down like it's nobody's business. And uh, the way I see it is like the three to four o'clock time in the day is like that is um, that's that's like morning to me because I'm starting the second half of my day, which is like a whole nother day. Yeah, crazy. So I need that energy. Those are good. I personally, though, I love Red Bulls. Like oh. I will drink a tropical like the. Like, I think it's like the yellow can Red Bulls. Yeah. I will yeah, drink totally. it with water. Like I need to go on a Friday night. That's what I'm chugging. Okay. Like, so <laughs> I'm totally going to age myself with this one. Um, but I don't drink Red Bull anymore because back, back, like, you know, ages, ages ago when I used to go, you know, out to the clubs or whatever, whatever it was, dive bar clubs, I used to drink Red Bull vodkas and Oof. I can't actually put down a Red Bull without thinking of those days. And I'll tell you, some of the worst hangovers ever, <laughs> ever. So kudos to you for drinking that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, today um, it's going to be a fun show. We're going to actually talk about the our, our top 10 kitchen essentials, you know, the equipment you need to have in your kitchen as if you were you know, building your own kitchen. And, you know, these are the top 10 things that you would want to start with. Obviously, there is a whole gamut of stuff you want to put in your kitchen and all that, but you will be able to get done what needs to be get done with this top 10. So, you know, we've put together a list and it was actually pretty easy to uh, do, but I, I don't know about you, Vicky, but I, I had a hard time keeping it under, you know, 10 things. I did. You told me you're just like, write down five things. And I was like, I, when we talked about this a little bit before, I was just like, I have seven. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, great. I still wanted to like, keep writing. And I was like, no, but you also need this, but you also need this. Exactly. I, I found myself, you know, writing down like one thing. And then next thing you know, I'm like, oh, okay. So you need pots and pans. Well, here's the kind of pots and pans you need. And here's yeah. why. Well, you also need these kind of pots and pans. And then I was like, hold up that got too, too complicated. So we're going to keep it simple for everybody. You know, we're going to make it real easy. And these are all things that you can uh, go to the store and, and any store and really buy and, and just get yourself started with. So without further ado, Vicki, why don't you start us off with number one? For me, number one is a good knife set. I don't care what you have in your kitchen. You got to have a good knife set. This is very true. Um, Knives are a very uh, special, special thing um, to anybody who cooks. You don't have to be a chef to have a chef knife. Uh, you don't have to be um, some, are, you know, master cookery person to own a nice pair of, uh, of knives. And um, I don't know about you, Vicky, but I, I, when you go out there and you buy the, the sets of knives and you get like, you know, 12 different knives... I end up using three of them. <laughs> like I don't use more than three knives, and that's my personal opinion. But what about you? How how do you how do you approach the knife game? 
So this is very true. I recently, so I moved out of my parents, you know, and when I was building all the stuff to like get my kitchen, you know, I got a like a nice knife set and it's actually pretty good. It has like 12 knives in there, but I'm going to be honest with you. I reach for like four of them. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. So there, there came a time when I was like, you know what? No more knife sets. I'm not doing that. So I went out, you know, I, I got, did some research. I found you know, the type of knife that I really want, the ones that fit my hand properly. Cause that's a big thing. It's like, yeah. how, you know, how you hold it and how, how it fits in your hand and, and cutting the weight, of them. the weight exactly. And then, then, then you have the back weighted and the front weighted, and that's a whole thing as well. So it's like, you know, they have stores like uh, Sir Latab out there where you can go and they'll actually let you um, sit there and cut things with knives, all the, all the knives, all the fancy knives, every, you know, from the $10 knives up to the like $700 knives. So get out there, you know, check it out and go to those places because they'll let you do that and you'll get a feel for what you need. It is true. I definitely, now that I like have like a nice knife set that I like enjoy using, it's like, I enjoy it. Like anytime someone's like, oh, I need to cut this up. It's like, I got it. Let me do it. <laughs> yeah, I'll right? do it. Yeah, let me... <laughs> Let me yield my sword. Yes, I, I'm with you on that. Um, you know, uh, also on the on the uh, topic of of a knife, like for me, I once I um, you know I, I got out of culinary school and they gave you for, you know postpartum like tuition, you get a, a a knife set with all the essential knives in it and all all that whatever, um, and I used that for quite some time. And once I started really uh, moving up a little bit in my position, I, I said, you know what, I'm going to go out, I'm going to buy myself a really, really nice knife just for me. And um, it's the about the equivalent to my cast iron pan, like it's going to be buried with me. Nobody touches it. <laughs> no, nobody washes it. Nobody uses it. Nothing. And everybody in the house knows that like that, those two things you just don't touch. Um, so it can be a very personal uh you know, item to you because there's so much care that needs to be taken in your knives. You know, it's true. If you don't wash them properly or don't take care of them properly, like it dulls them down faster. And that's something that I like, I've learned now yeah. that like I live on my own and it's like, I never realized those things. And now I'm just like, why didn't anyone tell me this sooner? Like I would just <laughs> leave them in like the water sitting and I'm like, Oh, that's not good. Why is that oxidizing? Why are those yeah. spots in there? Yeah. No, yeah, it's true. And, you know, the um, when you talk about washing them, uh, the number one thing you never want to do is put them in a dishwasher. Yeah. That will dull your knife. That will um, dry out the handle. That'll just like, it. the, the dishwasher is, is meant to, you know, clean dishes. It's not meant to clean your nice stainless steel knife that, or, you know, forged steel or whatever you want to have. It's just, that is a hand wash only type thing. It is. It's one of those things you have to hand wash. If not, it's, it's just not going to end well. Correct. And then uh, what about cutting board? What kind of cutting boards do you use? I personally, so I have a mix of two. I have both wooden cutting, cutting boards and I also have like the plastic cutting boards, kind of just depending on what I'm cutting personally. Interesting. I, so yeah. you have two. Well, now, why would you have two cutting boards, Vicky? Because I don't like to cut my meat on the wooden cutting boards. Ah, I, this is very true. I prefer to cut it on a plastic cutting board just because of sanitation, because it's one of those things you work in food and they like drill this into your head. Mm -hmm. And so I personally also like to keep my 
meat cutting boards from my veggie cutting boards very separately. Absolutely. And this is a uh, 100% must. Uh, you know, the most cross-contamination will always happen in a home kitchen. Um, I will say that it won't come from your cutting boards. It will come from your sponge. And that, yes. I'll tell you, your sponge is like a, a germinator. It just, you know, bacteria is sitting on throw that thing. those things away, please. Um, but no, you're, you're right. The, the type of cutting board, um, every, you know, you have a seafood, you have a red meat, you have um, a veggie cutting board, you have a ready to eat cutting, cutting board. You know, those are the type of cutting boards we have in the restaurant. You don't necessarily have to have that in the house, but having what Vicky's saying is having two, you know, one for your meat and one for like breads and veggies is highly essential. Now you were talking about, uh, you know, the kind of cutting board you use to, um, uh, for your knives. Is there a specific kind that you don't like to use for a knife? Mm, honestly, no, I don't have like a specific one where I'm just like, no, this is what I won't use, but. Yeah. I will say there's probably one out there that I, I will recommend that people don't use. And that is those glass cutting boards from like the 90, I think it was like late eighties, mid nineties, where people thought it would be cool to make a cutting board out of glass. Now, that just gives me anxiety to you saying that. Like, I, right? I don't know about you, Vicky, but like here, the noise that that makes is like, mm -hmm. it, it makes me, it cringes. I have to walk out of the room. I just can't do it. Whew. Okay. So lesson here is we're using the right cutting boards. We're not washing our knives in the dishwasher. You know, we're, we're sharpening them. We're using a steel. And if those of you don't know who to, what a steel is, it is that long handled thing that's round and everybody thinks it's a sharpener, but it's not. It will keep your blade nice and sharp, but we'll go over what that is a little bit later. So, um, so that was a good one. Knives, knives are important. You know, knives are um, one of the, I, I like to say a dull knife is the worst thing you can have in your kitchen because you will always cut yourself and cutting yourself with a dull knife versus a sharp knife sucks. Oh yeah. No, like my knives that I have at home are, I don't even know what brand they are. It's, I think it's like J A Henkels or something oh, like that. Oh, the Henkels are I awesome. Yes. I have those yes. knives. Those were my mom's present to me for moving out when I moved out and absolutely fell in love with those knives, but they are sharp and yeah. they are so sharp to the point where when they cut me, I don't even know until 10 minutes later. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> This happened. A dull knife come from? <laughs> no, the second a dull knife cuts you, you know, because you can feel it. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, each no matter what, I got a, a cut is a cut, and it's yes. it's gonna suck. Um, but uh, a dull knife cut is going to hurt so much worse. And so, you know, make sure you keep your knife sharp. I know around here, uh, you can go to pretty much any farmers market, and there's always the guy at the end of the farmers market sitting in his van. Just like, sharpens them. yeah, 10 bucks. He'll <laughs> sharpen all your knives. It's, it's awesome. I love it. So, and you know, keep them sharp if you need it. All right, moving on. Um, you know, I've talked about this a lot uh, throughout the podcast. And uh, one thing I'm going to throw out is a thermometer. Yes. <laughs> thermometer is uh, it's safety all day, right? You know, why do we have a thermometer? We want to check internal temperatures. 
You know, for those of you who don't cook meat, probably don't need a thermometer in your kitchen. But it's always good to have it because if you don't cook meat, you probably make candy or something and you're going to want to know the temperatures. But for, for safety factors alone, get a digital thermometer. You can go to any grocery store. You can go to any appliance. In, I mean, I think they might even sell them at the gas station down the road from my house. But you can buy yourself a food thermometer. And on that food thermometer, I will say nine times out of ten, it'll tell you the internal temperatures of what your meat should be depending on the meat, right? Correct. They're I mean, honestly not that expensive either. Like, you can always get them on Amazon. That's what I do sometimes. Right. Like, get one. Just keep it in your kitchen. You never know what you're going to make that you will need this for. And it's like, you'd rather have it than not have it and then need it. Right. It's kind of nice. There's no improvising on the, on yeah. the uh, thermometer. You know, as, um, as you get into the years of experience of cooking, like I can usually tell when a piece of meat is medium rare. I can usually tell when, you know, a piece of fish is cooked properly um, by the, you know, by the bounce back and how it, how it feels um, pulling it out of the oven. Um, but I can never tell the temperature <laughs> and, uh, you, I couldn't, I couldn't be able to do that stuff now if I didn't have a thermometer on me at all times, you know, it, it's just, it, there's not much explanation that needs to go with this one. It is safety on safety on safety, because the last thing you want to do is go serve in your family, some half cooked chicken because oh. you cooked it for whatever amount of time the recipe said, but guess what? Your oven probably doesn't get to the temperature that that recipe needs you to. And next thing you know, you got a little bit of raw chicken in there. Um, I will tell you this, that you will never live that down. <laughs> oh no, they will never let you. It'll always be brought up every time you cook that specific meal again. They're going to be like, <laughs> you remember that one time? Is that going to be like this? Yeah. And then you're just like, no, no. So yeah, no, they won't let you live it down for anything. No, absolutely <laughs> not. I think, you know, I, when I was a kid, I'm going to say seven years old, maybe, um, I, there was an experience where we went over to a family friend's house and she didn't cook the chicken on. And I remember my mom freaking out so hard, like it is scarred in my brain. <laughs> like I thought we were going to die. We all like everybody thought they were going to die because we had raw chicken, probably not going to die, but you are definitely going to have some, some symptoms. Let's just put it that way. Oh yeah. Okay. What do you got? What's your next one? My next one is measuring spoons and cups Yes. yes. because as silly as they sound, and I know obviously now as I've gotten older, there's certain things that I will kind of just do by like the hands and I'll just like measure it with my hands and measure mentally. But when I first learned how to cook, when I was first learning how to read recipes, I realized how important it was to have them because there's just certain things you cannot eyeball to save your life. Like no. it's like baking. No, I can't, I cannot eyeball those things. If I, it's like a science experiment. It really is. I don't want a volcano in my yeah. oven. Yeah. And <laughs> It's a good point. It's a real good point. Um, it, it, baking is such a science that if you are going to bake and you don't have uh, measuring spoons and measuring cups, um, you're going to fail. And I, I can just say that because I know that um, because if you don't follow exact measurements, um, you're going to fail. That's all there's to it with baking. You're just not going to be able to do it. Um, now, if you've been baking for you know 50 plus years, you're probably going to be like, yeah, well, I don't use them. Well, cool. You've been baking for 50 plus years. You know, right? Um, there's some things that that person could probably eyeball. But um, in the so, 
I had an interesting experience with, uh, with someone at a photo shoot not too long ago. You know, she was like, yeah, my, my husband, he's really, he really came around. And he, he actually said to me the other day, like, okay, I get why there's recipes. And I'm just like, I stopped what I was doing. I turned around, I looked at her, I go, what do you mean he gets why there's recipes, <laughs> right? Like recipes are written for a reason, you know, it's, it's an equation that's going to push out some sort of solution, right? And it, it just makes sense. You have to have the right tools to measure, you know, if, if you need a, a teaspoon of salt, but you go in and just throw a handful in, it's not going to taste right. It's true. It's like, unless you know exactly what you are doing, 110%, you've made that recipe 10,000 times to the point where you can make it with your eyes closed. Right. Right. Like you should probably measure it out because if not, then you're going to sit there and be like, this doesn't taste the same as it did whenever, whatever it was like, right. yeah, that's why there's a recipe. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny when people are scratching their head, they'll be like, man, I don't know why this didn't work out. Well, yeah. let's see. Did you, did you measure everything? Well, yeah, you know, I, kind of, I just kind of threw in some of this and I, I, I've all did. Well, there you go. You got to measure. Um, you have to have to have to understand that these things are put together for certain reasons. You know, it's a melding of one harmonious flavor and you don't get that one harmonious flavor by just eyeballing it. Now I'm going to put an asterisk out there now. And, and Vicki, you tell me if you do this as well, but with the culinary side of things, we can improvise. Now I've, I've talked about this uh, a number of times you can improvise, right? But you still got to measure it. You know, I can look at a tablespoon of, let's say a tablespoon of honey, and I can see what that looks like. Um, I'm probably not going to eyeball it very well because, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense because you can always add not enough because, oh, wait, no, how can I say this? You can always put more in, but you can never take more out, right? Correct. Yeah. So um, to me, like we can, as culinarians, we can be a little bit more, um, uh, kind of on the whim, right? Like, oh, I want to, I want to try throwing some chili flake in here. Okay, still measure it out, please, <laughs> because then the next time you make it, you're like, okay, I put two teaspoons of chili flake in there. See, it's a roadmap, right? The recipe is a roadmap telling you how to get to place A and B. It is. It's definitely one of those things where when you're making something, and I've had that happen to me before, where it's like, I improvised on a whim. And I didn't write down how much I put in it. And then I like was beating my brains, trying to figure out how much I put in and what I put in. And I was like, I'm never doing this again. I was like, next time I'm like measuring it out and like writing it down. Like I added this and it made it taste a thousand times better. And it's like, now I know how much, not just like, let's hope it tastes the same. Yeah. Right. You know, we've always, <laughs> well, I, I know I've been there where I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna throw something in there. And then I get back to the next time I made it. I was like, shoot, how much did I actually put in yeah. there? And <laughs> you just, sometimes you got to learn by trial, but that's what we're here for. We're trying to help you out. So you don't have to do that next time. Okay. So I'm, you know, I'm going to go on to the, uh, the next topic and the, I've been debating this one a little bit because it's very similar to what we were just talking about, but I really think having a scale a food grade scale in your kitchen is also necessary. Um, it is a 
quote unquote type of measuring tool, but this is a different type of measuring tool because going to the baking side of things, once you start baking things, I'm telling you right now that if you weigh things out, it is gonna be much more specific and much more accurate than it is going to be to measure out by volume. Have you ever had any experience with that, Ricky? I have. Um, so my mom likes to make bread a lot and that's where I kind of learned like the difference between a measuring cup and having like an actual scale and how much better it is to have a scale. With baking, I definitely saw that firsthand where it's like, you almost just, it's, you just need it. It will taste like your recipes will change even in the way that they come out. They mm -hmm. will come out a thousand times better when you weigh things out by really weight will. versus by volume. Exactly. And for all, all of you haters out there that's like, yeah, I don't bake. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you only do culinary stuff, you're gonna bake sometime in your life. And I promise you that you're gonna wanna make a chocolate chip cookie. And if you've ever made a chocolate chip cookie and weighed everything out to the proper amount, um, I guarantee that cookie will be 10 times better than any cookie you've ever made. That's true. They're just like nice, gooey. They're amazing. <laughs> it makes a huge <laughs> difference, doesn't it? Um, so, so that's my utensil is get yourself a food grade scale. You can get it at any kitchen store. You can really, I think you can get it like most like Fred Meyers or anything like that. I mean, most grocery stores have them again. None of these things we're talking about are like ultra expensive or ultra niche type things. You know, these are things that you want to stock your kitchen with, you know, when you first move into a place, like, do I have knives? Do I have cutting boards? Do I have thermometers? You know, my only measuring devices get a scale um, because when Christmas comes up, I'm going to want to bake regardless of who you are, right? So get all that stuff. This is all very obtainable things. All right, what's, what's next, Vicki? Next, next on my list. So I have an immersion blender. Oh, tell the people what an immersion blender is just in case they don't know. So in case you don't know, it's like the small handheld blender that you hold in your hand and you... It, they usually come with like different attachments. The one I own comes like with a whisk and like, I don't know what this other attachment that it is. It's like, sometimes you can even use it as a milk frother. Oh, nice. So I personally, I would die for my hand immersion blender. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so why, what, what does an immersion blender do? So I'm just, I'm just playing dumb here. So I just, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> don't you worry. I know. But in my case, I use it to make like dressings because I put everything in whatever container I'm mixing in. And instead of using like, if you have a KitchenAid, go for it. Use that. That's great. Right. I personally have a KitchenAid. I don't use it. I prefer to use my hand immersion blender to like Isn't mix that things. Funny. I'm the same way. Like it sits there in the corner and it's, it's great. I love it. Don't get me wrong, but I'm going to use my immersion blender so I can make salsas, Yep. whipped cream frosting even yep. like you can make so many things with those things and you don't even realize it if it, i like to think of an immersion blender as like the handheld portable blender that will go anywhere um and it can fit in any container you know you can make any size of things you can make quarts of dressing but you can make just dressing for two right yeah um, it, it's one of those good things where it's like it's nice compact take yep. it wherever you go yep 
It really is. And um, I, I love the ones with attachments. You know, it's nice to have a whisk on there. It's nice to have, I think I've seen one. I've never used it, but one with a dough hook on there. I don't, I don't know if I recommend it, uh, but it, it might get a little weird and your forearm strength is definitely going to be challenged. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, you were talking about the, the KitchenAid mixer, and this is no no dig on, on KitchenAid mixers, but um, I've had one. I had one for almost 10 years, and when I got it, I thought it was the coolest freaking thing, right? I was like, yes, I got this. I bought a bunch of attachments for it, and I used it for about three months, and then it just sat on, on my kitchen counter. It's like a, you know, look at me. I have a, a KitchenAid mixer type thing. Um, and then when uh, I recently moved uh, last summer, and I'm going through my attic and I'm like, oh, hey, there's that KitchenAid mixer. And I looked at it and I said, you know, I'm not using this. I gave it to Goodwill. <laughs> I was like, you know, what? I just don't I don't need this. And my wife's looking at me like, what are you are you kidding me? <laughs> You're giving a four hundred dollar kitchen utensil to Goodwill. And I'm looking at her like, yeah, I mean, how much have I used it in the 10 years that I've owned this thing? And she's just like, you're crazy. But um, at the same point, like, I haven't missed it. I, I just don't use it, you know? I don't That's know. how I was. I, like, I got it. We were really hyped up about it. It was like, yes, this KitchenAid, it's going to be the best thing ever. Yeah. And then it kind of just sat there. And I was like, wow. <laughs> wah, wah. Yep, I really done. spent $400 on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So immersion blender is is definitely a, a useful thing to uh, to have in a kitchen. Uh, let's see what's you know. I'm I know you just talked about uh, the whisk, so I'm not really going to go into that too much because I think that hits on the immersion blender. But what I am going to talk about is having some kind of grater and. I really like what's called, it's called a microplane, right? And it can grade anything that you want, anything from uh, the zest of a lemon to some Parmesan cheese to, uh, you know, cheddar cheese to, um, it can peel your potatoes if you're doing like uh, potato pancakes or even hash browns. Um, these these uh, graders are really, really nice to have. And it was one of those things, the microplane was one of those things that I, I didn't really know about um, until I got into to culinary school. And when I mean I didn't know about it, I knew they existed and I only used them for zesting things. And then once I was like, got into the nuts and bolts of what this thing does, um, it is really, really interesting um, to see how versatile this tool is and how useful it is to adding flavor to things. It is. I definitely... Like, I remember growing up, my mom had one, and I was just like, why does she have this? This is, like, the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And I'm going to be honest with you, I love it. Yeah. I love it now. Now that I've gotten older, I'm like, I don't want to use, like, that big grater block thing. I always wind up cutting my fingers with that. So I don't know how. Those blocks but, are the worst. I'm just like, going to say that. They are, like, torture devices, I swear. Yeah. Whoever invented those hates me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hates fingertips. But, how about that? Yeah, no. The microplane, it just... When you do like lemon zest for like a dressing or something like that, or whatever you're cooking, yep. it's so nice and it's just so fine. It just winds up coming out a thousand times better than I could have ever imagined. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
it, it brings a bit of uh, refinement to your dish. You know, it, it allows you to garnish things uh, on the spot. It, it's just, it is one of those tools that if you've never heard of it, go out, you know, use the Google machine, get on there, type it in, see what it is. You know, I'm sure there's a million different videos on how to use it and what to use it for and all that. But not only will your finger, your fingertips be happy, uh, but the, your food will look better and it'll taste better. So that, that was mine. What you got? Okay. This one's kind of random, but a good wine bottle opener. If you're someone like me, I love when like my friends come over, my family comes over and I like my dad loves wine. He's worked in wine his whole life. Um, so I always like to open a nice bottle of wine or something like that, or like a nice bar kit. And I think that those go a far way whenever you're hosting like dinners, things like that. You do not want to be sitting there at the table trying to uncork that bottle of wine. I will be honest with you. It is embarrassing. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know, have you ever noticed that there's one thing in the kitchen that is always lost and can, and if you don't have one, you're completely screwed. And that yep. is a freaking wine opener. Like you can't, okay. There's, uh, you're going to go out and you can YouTube like uh, a million different yeah. ways to open a freaking like, bottle. Way with like the screw and like, yeah, yeah no, I'm not it doing that. It never works. <laughs> <laughs> you always have to strain your wine. You either break your bottle or you're cutting yourself. Like it just doesn't work. Get a wine opener. If you don't drink, it's okay. You're still going to need to open a bottle of wine to cook with because sure. you should be cooking with wine. Um, it is one of those utensils that like it's so easily forgotten, but you absolutely need it. Oh, no. There's, I just, no like... there's no other way to do it. Yeah, no, I, this is one of those things where like, I'll forget that I need this. And then I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Like, I'll never forget when I moved out, I had like this one that came with like my kitchen stuff. The worst thing on planet earth. I threw it away. I was just like, I don't even want to see this thing anymore. Because it was just so horrible. Like my corks would break in the bottle. And then I just had to sit there and strain my wine. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I spent like $30 at the most. And I got an electric one. Never looked back. Oh, nice. You know, I like the electric ones. They're, they're kind of slick and they, they take it right out. You're, you're right. They don't leave the cork in the bottle. Now, if you don't go to the electric route, I will say that if you just go to your nearest, uh, you know, restaurant depot type store and get the kind of the, or maybe you're at, the, at a restaurant and you're, you know, your server is opening a bottle of wine, ask them where they got it because they have these, the, the restaurant ones are really uh, the best tools for that. They make all the, the weird ones that are in stores. And, and I like the electric one because it, it's very clean, you know, keeps your hands off of things and it just does the job really well. Again, if you want a, just a manual one, you know, find out where your server got it, talk to them, go to a restaurant depot store, get, you know, they're, they're like 95 cents. They're nothing, but they will last forever. Grab a handful because you will lose it. Uh, yep. If you're anything like <laughs> Those things get store. lost in the cabinet somewhere. Yeah. And then you don't find it until like 10 years later when you move out and you're like, Oh, yep. there's those. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm very much guilty for being the guy that's like, um, I don't have a wine opener. Okay. Time to uh, pull some MacGyver stuff. I, you know, I need a toothpick. I need some fishing string. Like, and people are looking at me like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> like, so then they came out with screw top wine bottles, which I has made my life, uh, 
happy sometimes. <laughs> oh no. If there's a screw top version of it, it's like, I'm not going to sit here and struggle with a quirk. Are you kidding me? I'm getting right. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Uh, next piece of equipment. So I know, let's see, I'm going to say, okay. We all eat eggs, right? Vicky, do you eat eggs? I do. Okay. I eat eggs as well. Um, and I don't know about you, but I've seen more people mess up cooking a scrambled egg or even just a fried egg just because they don't have the right pan. So what, what's that? It's very true. I've seen it happen. Oh, it's, it's, it's one of the things that people are like, I just don't get why I'm then messed why this isn't working. Why is it sticking to the pan? Okay. So what I'm going to say is go out, get yourself either a four or a six inch pan. Uh, make sure it has the, the coating on the inside of it because that, that coating is why eggs cook perfectly. The coating is what makes that egg able to flip. It, what make, it's what makes it so it doesn't stick. You get a stainless steel pan, I guarantee that stuff is sticking unless you're putting like two cups of oil or like a whole stick of butter in there, which I'm not going to recommend because then you're going to have to, it's just, it's weird. It is. So, get yourself an egg pan because I, I, I got to say that the majority of people out there eat eggs and whether you like them scrambled or, or fried, if you don't have an egg pan, you're just, you're going to be burning eggs all day. And Oh, burnt eggs smell horrible. Oh, they're the worst. They're the worst. <laughs> and I'm okay. So, and I'm a little bit of an anomaly in this, and this will kind of lead into, I think what is your next one is I think it is a cardinal sin to cook an egg in a cast iron pan. And oh. that, that's my opinion. <laughs> it's not the popular opinion. I'd see, I'm, I'm not going to cook a, an egg in a cast iron skillet. Yeah. It's just not happening. Well, no. I'll tell you, I, I, <laughs> I, I've had some bad experiences with it. And that's, it, it's like when I was cook, uh, I would throw some eggs in there and I cook them up and, and this was before I really understood the cast iron and, and I was still experimenting, but it's like, it's such a, it's such a porous material that, it is. that I, I swear to you, and I don't know if this is true, but I, it feels true that the egg gets caught down in those pores and it just never comes out. No, <laughs> no matter how much you matter. wash it, you, you smell it when you turn that thing on, you know, it's like, yep. everything is just going to smell like eggs from that point on just because of how porous those things are. Right. And it's absolutely horrible. It is. It is totally horrible. So get yourself a, a four to six inch egg pan. Most kitchen stores have them. Um, they may not be labeled egg pan, but it's the small guys with the nice, you know, I don't know if it's Teflon. I know they came out with a new product that's not poisonous. I will say that if you do get it, don't use any metal tools in it, please, because then it starts cracking and that's when you got to get rid of it. Yep. Um, you always use, you know, your egg spatulas and all that. Leading into the next top, the next uh, utensil, go for that would it. be my cast iron skillet. Yes. And just like Matt says, you will probably have to bear me with mine. Yeah. I have like four, and they're all different sizes because I'm a psychopath who thinks <laughs> I need four of four different sizes. You want the small one so you can make pizza cookies. You want the big one so you can make this. You know, yeah, it I is one know. of those things that <laughs> when I first moved out, I was like. Why does my mom have so many cast iron skills? Like, what does she need that for? And then I moved out and I was like, oh, I need that. 
like I'm going to go buy that because there's no way I'm going to cook a steak on anything else. That's where I'm um, cooking my steaks. <laughs> thank you. You just made me happy. I could die a happy person right now. If, if we never did this podcast, it would be a complete success because you said that. So thank you. Never cook a steak, anything else, like on anything but the cast iron. Now, okay, maybe, maybe a grill. I'll give people a grill, but you know what? I still finish it in the cast iron. So, um, a cast iron pan is essential. It is essential for learning how to care for your product. It's essential for learning how to care for your utensil. It's one of those lifelong things that if you treat it properly, it will stay with you and it will only get better over time. Now, where else have you heard that? <laughs> Relationships, maybe? I don't know. Uh, Self-care, in the gym, um, cooking, you know, you only get better over time. Anything you do, you know, you, we, we look in, in this lifetime, we look for these things that, that really um, that, that enhance our life, right? We're, we don't, there were two, we're too instantaneous. We were all out there trying to get that quick fix. But if you take a second and say, okay, what am I going to be able to do? What, what am I going to be able to put in my kitchen that's going to last and make me better out over time? The cast iron is that. It is that. It is exactly that. It's one of those things that if you take care of it properly, it will last you your whole lifetime. Like, just take care of it properly. Please don't put it in the dishwasher. Um, <laughs> yeah, please. And don't, if anyone does that, it. please. Yes, yeah. please don't. Never do that. Um, so when you say take care of it properly, um, tell me, how, how do you take care of yours? Uh, so my mom usually has me like, give it like in a small like rinse and like clean it out and she does like the whole oil like bathing thing where you, like, you yep. put it in the oven yeah. and at first I thought my mom was crazy I was like that's not how you wash dishes I was like <laughs> this is defeating everything I've ever learned yep. and she's like no like this is how you take care of this and I was like it was the most mind-blowing moment for me in my life when I found out that that's how you were supposed to take care of those things and wash those yeah. um because had she not told me you would have seen me sitting there with some Dawn dish soap soaking that thing oh, in there. Lordy. And that would have been horrific because then everything would have tasted like Dawn dish soap because yeah, they're so coarse. Exactly. You're kind of making me sweat just hearing you say that. Um, so <laughs> here's the thing is that like, it's pretty simple. And, and what your mom is doing is by putting the oil in it, that's seasoning it. And everybody, I, I do this with my sheet pans, like my, my cookie pans as well. Um, I don't, I rarely will use soap on my sheet pans because I like that seasoning to build up. And what it does is it doesn't actually season your food, right? It seasons your pan and, and yeah. it, it creates a surface that allows you to get a good sear and allows you to, um, cook the food at the temperature that, that is even, you know? So that's the beauty about a cast iron is it holds heat. Like it retains the heat incredibly well um, it allows you to get it hot and it'll stay hot it doesn't lose like in a stainless steel pan you know you have hot spots and it loses its um its temperature real quick and so um that's why we're saying cook you know like a steak in there because when you when you get that thing to temperature you put that steak you hear that nice sear that sear is not going away right you flip it and then you throw it in the oven and you're, you're golden. That's all you need to do. 
but but taking care of it is so, so that seasoning part really helps with that. Um, one thing that I like to do, and um, I, I've been trying to teach my kids this one um, as we speak, is when I wash it, I put it under the water and I just let the water go on it until the water runs clear. Um, if I need to scrape anything off, I have like a plastic like uh, spatula that I'll use to like get any bits off that I want. But that said, I'm also not too specific about getting every piece off because I'm going to hit it with the oil. I'm going to throw it in the oven and I'm going to let the, you know, usually what let I do it all is season it. exactly. Yeah. I'll, I use the oven every time I cook. Right. So that oven will be warm already. It may be off, but I'm going to take it, put some oil in it, nice paper towel around, coat it, make sure you're not leaving excessive oil. Cause that's one thing I did in the beginning is I put a whole bunch of oil in there. I'll be like, yeah, let's season this. And then it smoked out the house and <laughs> it just didn't create a good, uh, good idea or a good plan. So, you know, put some oil in there, get a paper towel, make sure it's, it looks nice and dry, throw it in your oven and let it come down to temperature with your oven. And that's the best way to season it. Um, and, you know, there will be a point in time when you won't have to season it as much. And that'll be a, that'll be a personal call. I don't season mine every time. I do it at least once a week, though. Yeah, it's definitely not one of those things that, like, you're doing every time. But when you do season it, you're making sure you're, like, taking the time to do it. It's like, just take the time. It's one of those things. It won't take you that long, but just put that effort into it. Yeah, exactly. You know what else I like about the cast iron is you can cook over fire. Oh, it's true. And it it is really it. nice. Doesn't touch it. And so I have a weird, uh, I don't know, I, I, I find cooking over fire to be very romantic. And it's, it, <laughs> I follow this, this chef, his name is uh, Francis Moleman. And he, that's all he does. He cooks over open fire. And if you ever um, have a time to look on Instagram, which most people do, uh, go to his page and some of the food that he makes is so beautiful. He, he like bought an Island right off of Argentina and he lives on this Island and he has these amazing farmhouse uh, or farm to table dinners where he cooks everything in these giant pits. And he has these, all these like metal grating going up over the pit that holds the meat and all the vegetables I'm telling you, Francis Molleman, he is like, that is how I want to live. Um, unfortunately, it's not realistic, but for me, quite yet. Uh, but it is like, it is a beautiful thing to cook over fire. So, I, and that's why I've, I have, you know, six or seven different cast iron pans is because, you know, I have this, you know, romantic fantasy that I'm going to be cooking over fire in my backyard. And then my neighbor calls the freaking fire department and uh, here we go. Yeah. And then I wonder why Matt didn't show up anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yes. So I think the cast iron pan is a good way to, uh, to end this one. You know, these remember, and I said this once already, these are essentials. There's a million different things you can put in your kitchen, but if you have these essential things, you're going to be successful. It is very true. And they're not like all overly expensive. Like like I said, I, when I moved out, like I started off with the very basics and it's just making sure you have what you need to get like the most simple things of done, like in your kitchen and being able to be like, oh, I can make that. I have these things. I have the utensils. I have the equipment I need to be able right. to do this. You know, and in, uh, in, in the weightlifting world, there's a term that's thrown out there where you talk about, 
you know, climbing Mount Everest and you got to hit all the different base camps. And if you've ever seen any like documentaries on, on Mount Everest, you know, they have all these different base camps that they will train, you know, we're going to train to go to, you know, base camp three and then come back down. And we're going to go base camp four and come back down and get your body used to it. So it's the same way in cooking. And it's the same way with all this stuff is it's like, you know, hit the base camps, treat the base camps with, um, you know, respect and responsibility and then move on to your next base camp. And the next thing you know, you're at the top of Everest and you feel good and you can go out there and you can buy all these like fun products or you know, products and utensils that maybe you're like, oh, I've seen that in, you know, on the Food Network or whatever. I've seen them use that in, in you know, the fancy restaurant that we go to and I want to try that now. Well, it, it's all about having the, you know, the understanding of taking your time, just like I talked about with the cast iron, take your time, and it'll treat you properly. So it's like anything else. Take your time with this. It'll treat you properly. It really will. It's Kitchen utensils are just one of those things. And, you know, take this list as like a guideline of, hey, I'm getting ready to move or I'm doing this with my life. I want to learn more in the kitchen. Maybe I should consider buying these things and go from there. And in the age of technology, it's like, there's no way you can't learn how to use it online, right? Oh, it's true. It's, if I don't know how to use something, you can almost guarantee I'm Googling it. And if I'm not Googling it, then I am most likely texting Matt and I'm like, hey, I just got this. <laughs> what is this? What do I do? <laughs> right? Yeah, no. And uh, it's, it's a really good point. And so, um, you know, everybody, don't forget, I'm going to share this episode. This has been a really great episode, Vicki. I appreciate you coming on and doing this. And um, I'm going to share this on Instagram. I'll throw it onto the YouTubes as well. Um, I got to say, this, uh, this is working out really well. What do you think, Vicki? I think this is working out very, very nicely. Cool. I feel like we're definitely bouncing back off of each other's ideas. and Yeah, yeah it's working well. Um, all right. Well, I hope everybody has a fantastic President's Day weekend. Um, myself, I am going out to my favorite spot in the world, which is Sun River, Oregon, Eastern Oregon area. It's beautiful out there. It's always sunny no matter what time you go there. So, um, Vicki, got anything going this weekend? I am having a light Galentine's Day dinner. Oh, so Galentine's. Excellent. Yes. That's fantastic. Well, <laughs> Um, I hope you have a very, very fun time with that. And uh, I hope everybody out there has a great time. Don't forget to uh, hit us up on the DM if you have any questions about the things we talked about today. Um, and remember, uh, food is love. <laughs> <laughs>